Today on Black Hollywood Lives Breaking Into, we're going to talk, my guests and I are going to talk film, theater, stage, screen, the children, and making people laugh while thinking. Next. Yeah. I love it. That's good. You are tuned in to Black Hollywood Lives Breaking Into. Yes, we are back. I was just getting down for a second. Welcome to Breaking Into here on Black Hollywood Live. I'm your host, James Law Jr. And you know what I like to do here is talk to people who lift each other up, share knowledge, and pay it forward. That's my motto, of course. And this guest does all three. It is an honor to have him in my studio today. And I'm going to, I'm going to just read to you a little bit of what this man is all about. He's an actor of stage and screen. He's a spoken word artist and poet. He is a comedian. He is a host writer, producer, teacher. He is a two-time HBO Deaf Poet and Emmy Award winner. He does a lot of work with my first Breaking Into guest, Joshua Silverstein, which you can watch here on Black Hollywood Live. It's just, I mean, I'm just so happy to have him here and that he was able to make it today, and I'm just, just happy. Ladies and gentlemen, Joe Hernandez-Kolsky. Yeah! Yes, oh my goodness. I'm That's so your intro. Happy to be here. That's your intro. Hello. How are you? I'm doing awesome, dude. I'm very excited to be here with you here today. Yes, yeah, so we were just talking before we came on. Where did I come from? Yes, so where are you? You're in my life now? You're yes. like all up in my... I'm like, what? You're all up in my news feed all the time now? Josh was like, I'm going to do this interview thing. And I'm like, oh, okay, you go do that. And then I found out I was Black Hollywood Live and I was like... Oh, okay, because he's black. So, okay. It's <laughs> like, why didn't I get that call? And then I got the call a couple weeks later. I was so excited. Yes, I mean, it was. I knew I was going to have both of you on here. Just I knew Joshua first. Joshua seriously and I met. Um, he was my Uber driver. Joshua's every reason to be that your first. Guest oh yeah, because completely he's ridiculously talented. I mean, I mean ridiculously we talented. Can just get him to believe it. <laughs> that we talked. We talked about it on my show. We talked Absolutely. about that. But he's such. I mean, such a kind soul and just a real authentic person. Well, I think I feel like at any point in your life, regardless of whatever your thing is, your thing becomes your thing. But like at some point, it becomes like a. I just feel like sometimes it becomes like inauthentic. Mm-hmm. Like I've been tr- I've been messing with him saying, "Dude, I know it's a funny joke that you're like, no, I hate myself more than anybody does." Mm-hmm. Like and now I'm like, "Yeah, but you you let's start let's start removing that from your from your dialogue mm-hmm. or whatever." Cuz I think like as me as like a gentleman, like I was raised to be a gentleman by my mom, mm-hmm. very strong mother, and at some point I feel like it became it became a little bit of a tactic. Like, I'd be like, oh, I'm going to walk on the outside of the sidewalk. Let's see if she notices. And it totally, be, you know, yeah. like, where do you, where is it, where is it genuine and where is it still like, you know, you're just, that's your thing now. It's what like is, things become shtick. Well, yeah, what's the thing we hold on to that's maybe not authentic to us, but we put it in our brain. Mm-hmm. And so now it's become our thing. Right. And it's a difference between self-deprecation in a joke here and there, and it's something that you kind of think, is it a recurring thing? Is it really part of your life? Yeah. I mean, and it's like, uh, you know, I'm trying to say now more these days until today. Mm. Uh, You know, so like, oh, I have a hard time getting into this or getting into that those auditions until today or whatever it is. Like, what am I trying to now start letting go of? Like, what are the things we carry that we don't need to carry with us? That's a good point. Now, you you bring a really good point. Being in this business that's not stable, Mm -hmm. you and I both chose it. And I feel correct. Or or, or, let me rephrase that. Did it choose you? Um, I was six years old and I was sitting in the South Bend uh, Presbyterian Players church theater whatever and my mom was on stage uh we i grew up in chicago let's go back a little let's bit, go back with your kids so right. i grew up in chicago i was born there uh and when i was around four my dad got a job working for he worked for otis elevator company at the otis, time. oh funny otis okay and, yeah uh, he got a job in south bend and so from the age of four to nine we lived in south bend and i think my mom was having uh, a hard time adjusting to not having family around mm-hmm. and so she got involved in community theater oh, wow. and so i remember i very vividly remember sitting there going oh that looks like fun i want to do that uh, i probably uh, considering that i've always been full of myself i probably <laughs> thought oh that looks easy i can do that yeah. i'm not quite sure if it was that looks easy i can do that or that looks like fun i can do yeah. that it's probably both of them but i and i said i want to be in this play 
And my mom was like, you need to go talk to that gentleman over there. His name is Mr. Brubaker. He's the director. Go ask him. And I remember being like, no. (laughs) She was like, go do it. And so she never did anything for me. And, you know, always made me do everything myself. So I went and asked him, and they wrote me into the play. And I've been acting really ever since. So you were bitten. Yeah. I mean, it's so, so I did theater. I started doing professional theater in Chicago when I was 12. My sister and I, uh, my hi, Christina. I think you're watching in Chicago. Oh, hi, Christina. So she, she's a social worker for the Chicago Public Schools. God bless so her. We, we are just, we love what we do. Yeah. And, um, we, so we started doing professional, we were like these token child actors for professional theater. Anytime really? they needed kids. We oh, okay. So we would be passed around from theater company yeah. to theater company. And, we did theater, and then I was like, well, I want to get a, a solid education. And at the time, I was planning on going to Notre Dame, because that's where my dad and my oh, grandfather both went. I would have been a legacy, which would have killed me. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I have such stereotypes <laughs> about legacies. I'm sure, I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> would have gone against all my stereotypes about entitlement. <laughs> I'm so entitled. And I ended up, I ended up getting into Princeton. And yeah, it was, he was it was my dad who was like reading kind of the the writing on the wall, and he was like, "I think you really should apply to an Ivy League school." And I was like, I kept referring to it as my long shot. And I got into Princeton, and I remember being like, "Dude, this is Princeton. You've really got to focus. Yeah. You've got to stay." Oh, is that an audition notice? And like in two weeks, oh, was funny. like doing theater again. So, and it's all it's all I've ever loved. So. But you got into Princeton, so that's that's pretty good. Yeah, and I mean, I come from a political family. Okay. So my grandmother, my mother's mother was Irene C. Hernandez. Google her. Ooh, she was it. a major Latina. She was a major city politician for the city of Chicago. She was Cook County Commissioner. She oh, was wow. the first Latina on the city level. And wow. She, so that was my mother's side, and then my father's side, my grandpa was a, a Republican ward committeeman. Oh, my so God. at my parents' wedding... The groomsmen, thinking they were funny, didn't ask, are you a part of the bride's family or the groom's family? They asked, are you Democrat or Republican? That and is hilarious. Okay. So, yeah. So, I come from a highly political family. So, it was yeah. either going to be politics or it was going to be entertainment. I got suspended from Princeton the middle of oh. my junior year. Okay. I was so over-involved in extracurricular activities. Oh. And I was so determined to make a difference. Mm-hmm. I remember saying to my mom, freshman year, as they were dropping me off, I'm going to show this school a thing or two. So I was so over-involved, I didn't care a lot about my studies. I wasn't paying attention to them. Mm-hmm. And I ended up getting charged with plagiarism. So... Oh, my God. Right? I'm talking everything today. I, please, let's just spill so, it. So I, I, I was in tech rehearsals for Moyer's The Misanthrope. Oh, okay. And so it was a really intense production. I remember, I very specifically remember going, all right, guys, I got to go. It was 12 o'clock, and I was like, I got to go write this paper. Totally wasn't paying attention to it. Like, thought about my thesis, was like, okay, I believe in this thesis. This works. This is what I'm trying to say. Oh, that section from that book says that. I'm going to put that in. And I'm going to put that in. And like, I don't know how other people do it, but you know, you take what you're trying to say, yeah. but then you then you put it into your own words. Ah, uh, yes, right. I didn't put it into <laughs> my own words, <laughs> and I just turned it Alrighty. in. I, and they were like, "That's no, no." See that chunk? There? Clearly, that was no. written by someone else. Yes, oh and God. so <laughs> no. so they so they suspended oh me for a year. Okay, and I it was the greatest thing in my life. And this mm. is and this is what I really believe. If we look at our lives. Our lives are not the, 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 sometimes they're the beautiful moments, but the dark moments are the moments that we really, that's life. Like, yes. That's what we grow from. Yes. So if you were to ask me what are the major moments in my life, so I got suspended and I had an epiphany where I was like, oh, this is not, this is negative if I choose it to be negative. It's mm-hmm. positive if I choose it to be positive. Mm-hmm. And so I have a tattoo now from what somebody said to me, which is uh, Chinese, in Chinese crisis, is made up of danger and opportunity. Ooh. And so I really believe within every crisis lies opportunity. And so I ended I up agree. applying for a White House internship. And I ended up working in the White House healthcare war room oh under Clinton, oh doing God. speech writing and policy analysis. And that that's what I did by the day. I couldn't make, you didn't make a lot of money working at the White well, House. Sure. So I worked as a club dancer by night. Oh, that's how funny is that? Yeah. Yes. So I would jump up on a box in the middle of a house club 
from 10.30 to 2 in the morning every half hour. Stop right there. <laughs> so go ahead and play that clip. Actually, with Joshua Sooner, he, he talked mm. right, right into the clip of what Joshua said about you yeah, on let's my do show. It. Let's, it's, it's really quick. This is my partner, people. Are better dancers than I am. I'm not going to go out for the dancing role because right. I'm not a dancer. Right. M- you know, uh, my buddy Joe is an amazing dancer. Is he really? Oh, he's wow. great. He's great. Uh, he's he, he should do that. I I can dance. I'm capable of movement. Yeah. But I'm not. I'm not a dancer. But so, so you're like you fit. Right so into that the is show funny. Why the thing you asked about that clip? That's that's funny. I picked that part of the clip to play for you later, and you talked right that's into hysterical, it. That's hysterical. Well, because dancing, dancing is critical to me. So that was so you danced. You danced. For money, I mean, I you totally know, did. At, I worked at this club Z. Okay. Do we have any DC people out there? It's not around anymore. Yeah, but if you were in the house music scene in the '90s, it was totally there. That's so. And I just that's, that's what I, I thought. It was just funny that when he talked about it, he brought up your dancing. <laughs> oh, totally. It was such. It, it was a critical part of my life. That yeah. moment was a critical moment in my life because not only did, was I like, did I learn how to. I, I was taken off my pedestal, first of all. Up until then, I was like, I can't do no wrong, and I'm not allowed to do uh, no wrong. Because I have to make a difference, and I have to prove for my family mm-hmm. what, I, what I'm what i capable of doing. And this is the first time I was like, oh, I'm human, and I get to tell everybody that I'm human. Mm-hmm. So, like, my mom didn't want me to tell our family members. She was oh, like, wow. no, 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 don't tell well, me. of course not. I was like, heck yeah. Like, yeah. I want people to know that, like, mm-hmm. you know. So... And also, it was the first time I ever saw myself as a sexual being because I was like mm. this kid who just always saw himself as the best friend. And so, like, again, that's oh, like okay. what are the things we carry that we don't necessarily mm-hmm. need to? But I always saw myself as that. And so I always found, I think, examples to prove that. Mm-hmm. And so up until then, and now I'm like, or at the age of 20, I wasn't even legal to be working there. Oh, I used my cousin Joe's <laughs> fake, or I used his... His real ID, he's a year and a half older than okay. me. I used his ID to get into the club oh, to that's audition. So funny. That's funny. So, and, but at that point, like, it was the first time I ever saw, like, women admiring me and, like, oh, it was amazing. It was so much fun. It's funny you brought that because I remember it took me into my 30s mm-hmm. to realize that I was kind of a sexual being. Mm-hmm. That I thought, well, it might actually my personality. Because I'm funny, because I'm friendly, because yeah. I'm nice. I put so much emphasis on that stuff that I always said, well, whoever I got with me was because of those things. Yeah. Kept them because they think I'm good looking or that I'm sexy or anything. Well, and this is and this is what I think – I think this is unfortunately where friend zone stuff happens is men aren't secure enough in their looks to be able to say to a woman, I'm attracted to you. I want to take you out. They think – at least I have. Like once she gets to know me – then the chances of us, her liking me, are better. Mm-hmm. So you end up trying to hide how you feel about her, hoping that she's going to come around. Mm-hmm. And that's 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 not real. That's a porn fantasy. Right. Like, that's the basis of most porn. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. what? You like? I didn't. <laughs> oh, what are you doing? I know you've been watching me. <laughs> what? Totally. Yeah, totally. You know, and that's not real. And it's... It's miscommunication, and it's I, you know, in my own material, I'm really trying to figure out how to how to make fun of myself and all of that. One of the things I really admire about you, and I admire a lot of things about you, and I've seen some of your work, is that um, I I titled this, I subtitle all my shows, and this one was subtitled Conscious Entertainment, okay, because I feel like that's that's something that's what you do, mm-hmm. um, and I always want to know because I, I get a chance to actually ask you. Um, how to find the what you feel? What are the ways you find the funny when you're doing social commentary? Because there are some folks who do it really well, like a Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle, Richard Pryor. He would tell something that was really screwed up out of childhood, and you were laughing about it. Yeah, um, there are people who do it really well, and I think you do it really well too. When did that? When did the social social consciousness enter your life in terms of art? Mm, dang, I Let's mean, it's, it's always been. It's always been a part of what I do. Gosh, why? I mean, I think I just was raised with a certain belief in making a difference and knowing that that I'm lucky, that I'm really lucky that I did have two supportive parents and I grew up in a very multicultural background like so i oh man i wish 
I need to find it. I have these like uh, these these WGN Extra Effort Award videos. Oh wow, WGN. Oh, yeah. So yeah, so like they profiled me in high school. Wow. And I'm like, got this terrible mullet. <laughs> zits. No, and, no, like, not at all. And uh, and I attended a black high school. And I'm on camera going, I think racism is the most important thing that we need to address in America. And I think, you know, so like, and I created like the intercultural relations group at my high school and really wanted to like talk about all this stuff. And I'm not quite sure where it came from. Oh, you know what? I I do really think it came back to, it it. came back to, do you remember there was a t-shirt that I don't know if it was out here. It was in Chicago. It had Malcolm X on the front with a gun, and it said, by any means necessary. And on the black, on the black, on the back, <laughs> on the back, it said, yes. it's a black thing you wouldn't yeah, understand. Yeah, I'm wearing a shirt. I'm wearing a shirt. We had it. I'm wearing a shirt. I was so angry at those t-shirts. Oh, wow. Because I was like, I can't wear what it. do you mean? I don't understand. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to understand. <laughs> so, like, you know, I became like an African-American studies minor in college. Oh, wow, okay. And, like, I was determined to understand. Yeah, yeah. And so I think some of it comes from just, I don't know, like I just think just coming from my parents who raised me to treat people as you wish to be treated and and knowing that I have opportunities that others don't. And it's I, you, you have to take advantage of that and you do have to pay it. You do have to lift each other up, share knowledge and pay right. it forward. Yeah. Like I think it is critical. I agree. And what is your what's your ethnic background for people who may not know? I'm Polish and Mexican, so two strong strong ethnicities. So people still associate me with food. They say I, I was just thinking that. Wow, what does that give you? Love for kielbasa with a side of frijoles? No, it gives me white privilege with a side of street cred. Hey, so, yeah. I like that. <laughs> I like that. That's so true because because I'm gonna ask you because of the way you look too. I'm sure that's gotten Polish and Mexican make Italian. Oh my god, it's so funny. That's what people think. That is so funny. I can totally see that now. You just said that. Yeah. Uh, it's been. <laughs> you know, I, I ran from it as a kid. Okay. I was not proud of being Mexican. My Polish grandmother used to introduce me to her friends as this is Joey, my Mexican grandson. Uh-huh. Till the day that I introduced her as this is Charlotte, my racist grandma. <laughs> <laughs> No. Good for you. No, I introduced her as this is Charlotte, my <laughs> Polish grandma, and that's when she stopped doing it. Wow, funny. But I think a lot of it is just ingrained in our culture. I yeah. think I think being insecure – like my mom put Joe Hernandez-Kolsky on my headshots when I was 12. And I said to her in front of our agent, why did you do that? Now I'm not going to get any jobs. Ooh. And that's, you know, that's around the time that she sent me down to Mexico City to live with my family because it was important to her that I be connected – to my culture and I just thought Spanish was the coolest thing. Yeah. I thought it was this cool secret language yeah. that my grandmother would speak <laughs> with my aunts and uncles. Yeah. And uh, so under that guise, she was like, oh, you want to learn Spanish? Go live Go live in, in Mexico City. So I lived down there for the three months of my summer my, when I was 12 years old. And I came back on my 13th birthday three inches taller with facial hair and a much deeper voice. How funny. Uh, so it really like came to symbolize manhood for me. Yeah. And it was just, it was such a, that was, if you were to ask me what are the three most critical moments in your life, I'd say my trip to Mexico, my suspension, and then my mother's passing. Wow. So, yeah. It's funny because I, I come from a multicultural background myself and it's just, it's funny because I always kind of knew that was very cool because I would have like, you know, gumbo at Christmas and they're like, what's gumbo? And then I'd have, you know, I have tostones when I go to my grandmother's in New York and it was like I had different cultures. I thought it was really cool. So now are you Puerto Rican and black? Yes. Or, okay. Yeah. Because uh, I didn't want to, because you could just be a dark Puerto Rican. Okay, that's right. You know, you know, we come in all shades. <laughs> and, I did, and I also, I interviewed Jaden Douglas, who's on telenovela mm-hmm. and she's blonde and like we're talking about, we come in, everybody comes in all shades, kids. We're not all just and like, what's her She's Puerto Rican, yeah. and uh, but like straight up, no, no, no mixtures at all, and was born in Puerto Rico, but raised in Nashville. And raised in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's so a great she, actress. So she's a country girl. Yeah. yeah, and we talked about that. She's a great actress. Um, and just we talked about that. Just that be, Latinos come in all shades and yep. colors, and and sometimes they forget that. People forget that. I mean, we're seven billion people. Mm-hmm. The, the the constructs are just there to make life easy, and mm-hmm. in my opinion, easy is lame. 
Yes. You know, it's easy for me to binge watch Netflix all day, but right. do, how much do I accomplish doing right. that? I accomplish way more doing the hard things. Mm-hmm. You know, yesterday I was running and I was like, I could go down this hill or I could go up that hill. I'm going to go up that hill. There's going to be just a, it's going to be a little bit harder, but it's worth it. You Were know? you always like that? We always kind of like the going up the hill. I've always been about taking the harder path. I don't, yeah. I don't know what that is, but I've always, I've always accepted a challenge. Absolutely. And so you made a conscious decision. It sounds like when you were younger, because when you, you're also alumnus of Steppenwolf in Chicago. Yeah, that was like, amazing. And so let's talk about that a little bit. How was that experience? I mean, that was a critical moment for me because I, I was very, I was starting to get very insecure about calling myself an actor, okay. even though I've been doing it since I was, you know, a kid. Yeah. But you know, it's, it's still a career that's based on well what have you done lately mm-hmm. and i i'm still my tv and film credits are still minimal well i don't want to say minimal because it depends on who i'm comparing myself to. right unfortunately right. we always compare ourselves to yes. the taller more handsome yes. guy with the more credits yes um, <laughs> yes you know and that's, but in no comparison you've done work i mean like i said your oh, resume goes on and on you've yeah, done work yeah I mean, obviously so but i'm there's you know there's still realms that i'm still trying to break through so at that was I. I was doing a play. Here's a here's a great example of you have to let if you let life lead you, you will see the perfection in every day. Mm-hmm. Like if you just kind of like let it go and say, all right, let's see where this goes. So I was working really hard to get into to play Uznavi in a production of In the Heights. In, oh, uh, in uh, okay. outside of Chicago, okay. <clears throat> and I went through this whole big great work, show. This yeah, and I went through this whole big audition process, and I went to uh, to Chicago and and met with them, and then I remember I was back here, and I and I got the call that I didn't get it, and I was like, man, like I really ah, and that was gonna be and I was gonna be home, and people were gonna be able to see me, and da 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 da, and uh, and like. I went all right. Well, let's see where let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. Let's see what this is meant. Why this is. And I think later that day, I got a call from another production working with Luis Alfaro, who's a MacArthur Grant recipient, amazing playwright. And he was doing a children's show uh, with uh, Main Street Playhouse in Rancho Cucamonga with a bunch of my friends. Uh, Well, I knew a couple of the people in the cast. And we ended up doing this wonderful kids show called uh, Aesop of Rancho Cucamonga. And it was an amazing experience. We had a great time. Um, shout out to Justin Hewen, who I continue to have to owe 10% of every check to, because <laughs> yeah. he always gets me in these projects. Yes. And, uh, and it was there that I met a, a wonderful actor named Tony Sancho, who had just gotten back from the school at Steppenwolf. Okay. And he was like, you've got to do it. You should look into it. And so I auditioned and I got in. And it's it was an incredible experience. You're you're learning viewpoints and you're learning Meisner and improv mm-hmm. and on camera technique and you know all of these amazing skills for you know just my my tool belt is so much denser now. Yeah. And you're learning from the best people in the game. You're learning from Amy Morton who was Barbara in August Osage County. I worship this woman. Like yeah. before I even had a chance to work with her i there's a video of me talking about what inspires me when i was leading up to doing my solo show awake and i mentioned her and i'm like amy morton in august osage county is the yeah. most visceral amazing performance of, and i she was my teacher wow you know? so it was great so yeah. that's good but it's just i mean like so you're in olympus of so many different things it's like it's just i mean it's amazing um and so you have steppenwolf you have princeton so i mean now you look back on it how important is education do you think what i mean what does education mean to you I think I don't think when it comes to college because people are always like you know people are still impressed by Princeton and I take great pride in it 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 it, it whew, I'm about to give a clint like I worked hard I'm sure <sighs> Somebody recently said to me um she was kind of like belittling me saying like you've never had it hard and um and she came from like you know a background in, in drugs and alcohol and yeah. as a kid, and I was like, that's easy, mm-hmm. hard is doing the right thing, and it's you know, hard is the work, mm-hmm. you know. And we talk about it in you know, life is hard, but um, so yeah, so hmm, so. Getting getting to Princeton was a big deal to me, but what I do love is I love higher education, regardless of what it is. I think the choice 
to say um, I have a lot more to learn is a critical piece. I mean, I went to I went to the school of Steppenwolf when I was what forty forty one. Yeah. I just did yeah. it last year, yeah. and that's I I I think that's what life is about. You know, I always tell people um, it's not the Pain Olympics. Um, everyone has different. What it's everything's relative to people. Yeah, what Absolutely. they do and. To get into Princeton is no small feat. You should be mm-hmm. very proud of that. Yeah. And that you were there for a while, you should be very proud of that also. Yeah. And I think it's something that when people say things, well, I did this and I was this, I mean, it doesn't matter. Your stuff's good too. Correct. Well, everybody has their thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I, de- I definitely never try. I, I hope it doesn't come across like I've worked harder than others. No, no, no. Um, because I think everyone has their thing. But it was really interesting. I was thrown by, you know, there's still this association of the, you know, uh, growing up hard, being very specific imagery. Yes, yes. And I, I'm not saying, like, I, yeah, I've had some wonderful support that yeah. I don't take advantage, take for granted. Um, but, like, I made choices to, you know, stick with it yeah. and continue to... Put in the time, and uh, it's it's been rewarding. Yeah. Well, like I said, a lot of things that you do in in your art is for the benefit of others, which I think is something. It's, it's a it's benefit for, for me first and foremost. First, okay. I mean, it's 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 for me. Okay, it's for my health, and it's I I I, I will definitely say that because I I personally believe that. When people try to intentionally do things for others, I think you're. I think you can sometimes avoid your own. Makes sense. Yes. Shit. Say it. Shit. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And 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 I and I don't think that's fair to people. I think um, <sighs> I have issues with like. Tell me. Tell me. I no because someone's gonna hate me out there. <laughs> I have issues with like. God, I have issues with like dog rescues. Like I love I love taking care of dogs. <laughs> I love taking care of dogs. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Didn't expect that. Okay. Dogs are innocent. I get yes. that. Yes. Sometimes it feels to me that it's it's a way to help. That's it's a safe way to help. Okay, I get it's it. It's a way without emotionally connecting with the human being who, you know, it 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 feels like Activism light sometimes. I get what you're saying. Okay, I get what you're saying. Like, and, it's easier and, to go to to an animal than to like another human being. But or you know. But that said, like you know, I I run an open mic for high school kids. Yeah. I had to choose in my own life how to keep my activism within a certain box. Okay. Okay. You know, I used to work for the Laser Stars after school program, oh, okay. which was started by Jackie Goldberg and Sharon Stricker, which is a wonderful massive after school arts and literacy based program in Hollywood and they work in numerous high schools and middle schools but it had taken over my life and that was the first five years of my life here and I was skipping auditions because I couldn't not show up to tutor no, or I couldn't right. not show up for my hip hop culture dance class that mm-hmm. I was teaching mm-hmm. but and it and I was taking kids on weekends to see theater mm-hmm. I was paying for things I was driving them from here to there mm-hmm. I got I, I, I got a bunch of high school kids to then mentor serve as mentors to the younger kids so I like really like a lot you know testifying in court on behalf oh, wow. of, one of my kids wow. like and it was full it was fully encompassing mm-hmm. so when downbeat 720 this yeah, high school open yeah. mic came the opportunity came around started by justin yoff uh in the city of santa monica when that opportunity came around i i i i did it because i wanted to do it but then i also did start to see like this will allow me to work with youth in a very confined uh timeline so that twice a month i work with these kids but that's it you know i i'm not driving them places yeah every day all the time right now all the time so that that said i totally get why people work with dog rescue. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. I was like, okay, that's interesting. Like, you know, there you go, kids. Well, I don't but know about that, that one. But yeah, but I get, I, you, I get what you're saying. But I get it. And and I, I totally get why, you know. Well, I feel like people should, I mean, getting off the dog thing, of yeah, course. Yes, but but no, that. but like the, you bring up a good point about speaking up or speaking up in a way in art. 
because it can be very tricky for people, mm-hmm. because especially people of color mm-hmm. who say, well, I'm hard enough already trying just to make it in the business, yeah. but now you're asking me to add that into my art and maybe say something that maybe shakes someone up. I mean, how do you navigate those choices where you're just like, almost, almost cussed, screw it, this is just part of who I am, and I need to do this. Wait, what? The, the, having con- social consciousness in your art. I don't, I don't, it's funny, somebody called me their favorite political comedian, I'm like, I don't see myself political in the least. Okay. Uh, I just saw Carlos Mencia perform uh, in Ontario a couple nights ago, and he destroyed it, and he, I think he's a very strong political, mm-hmm. uh, common, you know, comedian, comic, um, and he, but that's specifically what he talks about. Mm-hmm. I talk about me, and I do my best to investigate Robin Williams once said to reach the largest audience, find the most intimate truth. And so mm. I'm just always look I'm I'm just working to look at my own life and go, is this interesting to others? You know, okay. these moments that I have, it, do I think that this is something that it's worth sharing? So, you know, when I talk about my own self-doubt or my own day or whatever, I just try to make fun of the things that I see. So like do more, I should more observation kind of comedy or I mean, how do you see? How do you still see yourself as a comedian? I mean, it's definitely not Jerry Seinfeld. Oh, those little moments, <laughs> right? I mean, I'm definitely. If there's anybody who influences me more, is and I'm going to just let you guys out in the audience decide because you'll decide on your own because it's Louis C.K. I mean, he's oh, just yeah. he's so omnipresent right now. Yes, and he is. he's just a lot of people's major influence. I mean, Bill Hicks was an, another mm-hmm. critical piece, but like growing up, the tapes that I listened to were Eddie Murphy, Billy Crystal, Joe Piscopo, Howie Mandel, Bobcat Goldthwait. Like, those were the kind of Mm -hmm. the big ones that I would listen... Bill Cosby, of course, Mm -hmm. himself. I mean, who didn't listen to him? Right, of course. I listened to him, too, yeah. Those are the tapes that that I listened to over and over. Actual tapes? Oh, yeah. I know. We're we're all... I'm like, tapes, actual tapes. Yes, exactly. And a little Panasonic... um, Thing explained all the time. Yeah. Um, So you you see yourself as just a a humanist who's talking about yourself... In a way that hopefully others can relate to. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I just, I just, whatever happens to be the topic that day. I mean, right now, all my material is about you know dating and relationships and being a man because that's where I'm at. You know, so you know, Michelle and Deggio Cello is a huge influence on me. Like every album is that's where she's at, Mm -hmm. and you know, I if there's one thing I think I can take pride in, I've had doubts about my material or whatever but if there's anything I think I can stand behind is you see where exactly I'm at mm. when I'm on stage that's I'm not that's it <laughs> yes. that's what it is like, you may not agree with it right. you may you know you may have it may not be funny to you or may but that's it's tr- it's real so yeah and when you so when you did a, you did a one man show and I talked to Joshua and other people about their their solo shows did you get out of it what you needed when you did it yeah so my first well my first solo show, You Want a Piece of Me, was written direct as a direct result of being on the road with The Bombity of Errors, which was a hip-hop version of Shakespeare's Comedy of Errors that I did for a couple of years. And, Pete, and it was a wonderful show. And I built some of my greatest friendships and got to travel mm. the U.S. and the U.K. And unfortunately, people thought that we wrote the show and would be like, that's amazing, you guys oh. write. And we were like, no, we're not the writers. We're just the actors. Oh, funny. And so, and at the same time, I was hitting open mics in whatever city we were in. And so by the time I got back, I was like, well, I want to do something that is truly mine. And also, you know, I'd really fallen into the poetry scene. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I think it was Luis again, Luis Alfaro, who I ended up working with. And I remember inviting him to come see me perform. And he was like, what time is it at? <laughs> at ten thirty on a Monday, oh, and you're gonna and you're gonna read three poems? <laughs> no, no, I'm not. <laughs> like when and, he's, and I think he was like, when it's just you, let me know. Oh wow! And around the same time, Justin Yoff, who uh, hired me for Downbeat Seven Twenty, we were setting up for for Downbeat, and he casually said, "Hey man, if you want to do a solo show, I'll produce it." And so, and Jedi and I were working together a lot and he was, I was starting to want to do more with my poetry and hey, if you could drop this track at this moment and the lights can do this at this moment. And so it just felt natural to like do a full solo piece. And 
I, I don't know if I got out of it what I wanted. Like, I thought I was going to become a star after four performances. Oh, how funny. Okay. Um, I think I did maybe miss some opportunities. There were some people who showed interest in possibly developing the show, developing my story into something. And I, I just think I was young and naive that I, I let that opportunity pass. Okay. But, um, but it, it served, I mean, it definitely was another, I, I don't think careers, I don't think there's definitely any like, and then that was the moment. I mean, right. it's a series of moments. Yeah. Like I've had wonderful opportunities over the years. I mean, I, I haven't had a nine to five, knock on, knock on, well, like my head, knock knock on, on plexiglass yes. since 2002, you know, that's and that's great. five years after I moved here. So that's, that's success. That's, that's success. So that's pretty lucky and, or fortunate or hashtag blessed. Yes. And, <laughs> I never say lucky anymore. I feel like it's just it's just fortunate, just that you yeah. you because you you created it. Correct. You, not, not luck, really. People say like not luck. It's a, yeah. It's a it's a mix of being prepared and and, yes. and putting the work in. And I so so I, I did it did lead to other work opportunities, and I definitely created a, a lot of material that some of it maybe still gets used. I'm not sure. I think okay. I don't think I perform a lot of that material anymore. But then my last solo show, Awake, was it definitely served what it was meant to do. Oh, it good. was definitely there to simply be an excavation of where I was at after my mother's death. Okay. And so I consciously did not reach out to casting directors or agents mm. or managers. Like, I just, it wasn't about that for me. Now, upon retrospect, maybe I should have put a little more effort into that because I mean it was a solo show that ran for five weeks at the bootleg and we had wonderful audiences and like not everybody has that opportunity and so you know people (laughs) comedians are always trying to put together a solid 60 and I'm 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 happy that I'm able to be between poetry and stand-up and everything, I'm like, they're amazed. They're, they're like, I was handing out flyers for a week, and they were like, how long is the show? And I was like, 60 minutes. They're like, wow. I'm like, <laughs> to me, that's nothing, but right. that's also because it's a different medium. Yeah. You know, and what I do, developing a solid 60 in stand-up is, is harder. I'm sure, yes. But, so it served what it was meant to. And now, the new show that I'm working on, I think it's going to be a mixture of all of it now. And oh, hopefully wow. with some real – I just feel like I'm in a good space right now. Like I, I, there's a little – there's enough time that has passed. Like six years – it's today. Today is yeah, the sixth anniversary of my, my mother's, of my mother's death, which is why I'm very emotional today. Yeah, and great. although, no, I'm not going to use that as like, no. oh, well, that's why. Yeah. Uh, no, I get, I get emotional every yeah. time. So, but yeah, it. six years today and I think I'm in a new space and able to uh, – I'm processing differently now mm-hmm. and I can see how I can talk about it now. That makes sense. That totally makes sense. And, you know, we, we get older – and mm-hmm. you learn as you live longer that you live longer. Okay. And like, well, you and live, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was saying, and life, just, and life continues. And so, luckily, if you're present and open to it, you will learn things along the way as you as you stay just stay in this world. Yeah, I mean, two things are going through my head right now. Death, people's deaths are not experiences really in their life as much as their experiences and the people who you leave behind. That's mm. the critical thing, because that's how how people's deaths affect you is mm-hmm. more important i mean for for the people who die it's just they're closing it's just the end yeah. it's the end titles right so for us it's like the the third it's the end the beginning of the third act or mm-hmm. whatever yes it is. exactly so i so that's the one thing the other thing oh what was i just saying <laughs> death and oh yeah we learn more as we get older yeah. it's very weird that we don't comprehend that we're smarter human beings like ignorance is bliss makes total sense I get that now I get how in my 20s I just didn't think and I just did and oh how I missed that and now I'm like questioning everything because I know about the realities of the world there's a certain innocence back then that oh you almost wish you could keep it so to speak but you don't really want to keep it because you don't no, want to say mistakes we're smarter we're now we're smarter now right exactly I mean, you know they say ignorance is bliss youth is king yes. so by the transitive property youth is ignorance like it right, really right, is right and we don't understand that we're smarter human beings now I don't drink Smirnoff ice because some company's telling me to do it I drink it because I like it right so you know it's but boom! Thank you. Thank you. But it's it's you know we're we're better now, and it's unfortunately somehow you get more insecure the older you get, which doesn't make sense, or at least I have. Yes. 
And I don't understand that because I'm a more well-oiled machine. Well, it's, it's society, I think. I just think they just tell you, well, when you're older, and then your balls drop, and this <laughs> happens, and you get nose hairs, and you know, you're, now you're not as desirable anymore. Mm-hmm. They, they say all kinds of things to you. But you're right. It's the opposite. Yeah. I know more than I've ever known in my entire life. Yeah. Like, what's one thing that, like, you know now that you didn't know as a kid? That um, everything is not as serious as it seems at the time. That's a good one. Seriously, I mean, I everything was so angsty. Oh god, I kept journals. Do you have to, Do you have high school or teenager, dude? You got to do more. Mortified. I know. I've, I, 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 I've seen their shows. Those are and, my homies, dude. And they and we'll they're and, and they're same. I would love to do it. And they're yeah. same time period as us. I mean, basically oh. same age group. And I have every journal from 1980 to 1996. Oh, I'll we'll totally do it. do it. Okay, we'll do it. Uh, I'm gonna actually be on an upcoming Mortified podcast. Oh, how funny. Okay. So, yeah. My, and you read it. People, if you don't know put Mortified, it's, it's a group that you take your actual journals and you read them as is. And I've seen the stage performances would actually show the pictures you had. And sometimes you draw pictures in your journals. And it's, it's I have I have the book, the original book. And I said, I've seen some stage shows. And they and I've always wanted to go on there, actually. It's funny you brought that up. I've always wanted to totally go on there. totally do it. I'll do it. Really I have no happen. shame. But just reading them back, I was like so angsty and so like, oh, my God, it's the end of the world. And it really isn't. No. And hopefully it allows us to keep our current problems in perspective. Yes, completely. You know. And I, well, also for me, just for the younger generation, I to let them know things do pass. You mm-hmm. do get through stuff. Just hang in there. Yeah. Just hang in there. Stay in your lane and hang in there. And life will and life will change ultimately to something else. Yeah. I mean, you just got to keep showing up. I mean, people always, oh, I bombed tonight. You know, and I'm like, no, you didn't. You're here. Like the only people bombing are the ones who are at home right now. You know, that's the only time I bomb, and that's what I hate, is when I just don't show up. You know, as long as you show up, that's, that's 80, 80, 80 or 85% of it. What does art mean for you, personally? Revealing yourself in front of an audience and connecting people. I mean, the, the connection is the most important and critical part of life, and that's why we're here. And I think all anybody wants to know is that they matter and that their, yes. their life, that their existence means something. You know, whether it's the weightlifter who's making way too much noise he's just trying to demonstrate that he's here you know uh the homeless man who walks slowly across the street and you're like mother <laughs> yes, I do. yes he's, I do. he's affecting life yeah. for a second yeah. he for a second he feels as though he's actually affecting change and that i think that's you know to me that's what art is about that's, just, that's, i love you said that yeah because I always said, always say about kids. Because mm-hmm. I, I have kids, I have grandkids, mm-hmm. I have kids and grandkids. No, you don't. I do. I don't know. No one believes me, but I do. I just I look so young and youthful. Yeah. Um, but I always say that because you work with kids too. That they just want to. They just want to know that they matter mm-hmm. most of the time. It's very. Kids are very simple. I was with my granddaughter two weeks ago, and it was just Papa Jamie was here, mm-hmm. and that he loves me and that he hears me. Mm-hmm. That's all that matters. She don't give two, I'm like, two shits about mm-hmm. my career and I'm busy doing this show and have a radio show on Fridays. They don't care about that. Mm-hmm. Is that Papa Jamie came to town, took time of his busy day. They can get me all emotional. And mm-hmm. I was just with them the whole weekend. Yeah. And that was it. And that's all they want. All they and want. I think I think that's for most people. And we, we forget that sometimes. I'm going to bring it back to dating right now because that's just where I'm where at. Where you're at. Tell me where you're you at. You know, is... You know, I'm reading these women saying, you know, online who are like, you got to have your shit together. And I'm like, well, unfortunately, like for the most part, I don't know what that means. We don't know what that means. Um, But and I think a lot of men are, including myself, we're we're misinformed. I think that we have to own this, this and this and be able to provide this, this and this. I think for the most, because if I look at myself, I'm like, I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for just somebody who, who just like, just, I'm it. Like just, and the same way I think women want the same thing. They just want somebody who's just fully present and fully connected. And we get caught up in all this other stuff too often. And I, and some of it makes sense. Like, you know, they're concerned. Like, look, when when I have to give birth to this thing, that you're going to be able to. <laughs> right, like, no, right. You're not going to disappear on yeah, me. We get that, of course. And so, but yeah, I think most people, you know, like you're saying, your your grandkids, your grandkids. I know it's crazy. I but know. like, yeah, they just want. I'll never forget being a kid, and my uncle Ralph would just. He's still my favorite uncle because he just he just touched me on the shoulder. Go, how you doing, man? I love you, man. You're so great. You're so great. And that's like critical, you know. Mm-hmm. I have people that I don't talk to all the time. 
when we get together, it's like time never passed. Yeah. And I think that's something that's really important is that we all have lives and we're, you know, we're busy and things are going on, but that, you know, every once in a while we do get together. It's just as special as always. It's just, I say, take the village to raise me, I always say the whole time. And because we get away from, you know, I come from family that uh, we came from village mentality. You know, yeah. if you're from Africa, it was a village mentality thing. And in America, we're so like, it's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about me. And I'm like, I forget it. I love having to respect my elders. I love being there for the kids. I like mm-hmm. being in the middle, so to speak. And I always think of my friendships and family. We're all in the same big village. Whether I see you today or Correct. see you in three weeks. It's going to be good. Yeah. I mean, I've always seen America as just one big party and I like to sit at the, I like to sit by the front door so that as people come in, um, I'm, you don't, you don't, you, nobody wants that douche at the front door who like kind of looks at you and then goes back to what they're doing. Right. You want somebody who's like, Hey man, how's it going, man? Uh, drinks are over there. Cool. Nice. And nice. you know, you want, and I, I kind of feel like that's. That's what America should always be. It's like, hey, man, good to yeah. see you. Come on right. in. It's over there. Right. You know, and instead, you know, <laughs> it's like people are like, you know, it's like it's like people are coming in and it's like, oh, there's this guacamole there. And they're like, oh, my God, that guacamole is so good. Oh, my God, that guacamole is so good. And then the last person to come in is Pablo <laughs> just coming across and and there's no dip left. And they're like, who ate Pablo? Why did you eat? And it's like, yes, I I just got not here, here. I, dude. I, I, I'm not. Right. Why? Now I'm in. Tr- no. Right. And that's unfortunate. That Great analogy. That's that's that so is, true. I that is not that was not a prepared joke. I want no, people to know. No, it was prepared. I'm sure it wasn't. It just does a great analogy. I like that. But I think that's what it is. Yeah. It's like I mean, and I just I like a world where we welcome like that. And and I think that's the best way, you know. Well I'll say it, I say it on the show all the time. I I like being a nice person. Mm-hmm. I think people should be nice and I should be the norm. Yeah. I think mean, it doesn't cost anything to be nice. It really doesn't. But you gain so much by being nice. Yeah. Does that being nice doesn't mean you're a pushover? No. Or you let our doormat. Yeah. And I think people just nowadays, because with the advent of just reality TV and all that stuff, it's like being a bitch is just a thing. And I've heard friends actually say that. I'm like, when they think I'm a bitch, I'm going to be a bitch. Like, well, how's yeah. that work? Yeah. I mean, it's unfortunate that some people, I, I'm still amazed those people really exist and they actually are. Right. <laughs> but it's, mm, I, I don't understand it. I, I feel like there's, yeah, there's just too much negativity. It's too, it, it's easy. It's just easy. Homophobia is easy. Racism is easy. It's easy to point the finger. You know, it's it's why I'm working in my own life to do the hard things because it's easy for me to go back to sleep. It's harder for me Ooh, to get like up. That. You know, so I like that. <sighs> I can't believe time is almost up. Is it? Oh, you have, you, have to, you have to come back. Let's do a part two. This is so much fun. Uh, thank you. I also I asked two questions of my guests. The same two questions. Yeah, let's do it. And so now it's your turn. Um, cause we talked, we actually touched this a little earlier. I believe in language and yes. language is something that can, you know, stop us. It would also can propel us forward. Just, mm-hmm. I, think, I think language is very important. Yeah. The way we say things, we, like, we talked about, talked about this a little bit. What word in English language do you think we should take out of our vocabularies? What word should we take out of the English language? Oh man, I wish I would have. I remember you were doing this with Joshua yeah, right, and, right, I, right. and I totally thought in my head at the time because I was like, <laughs> I never prepare people. I was I was want to hear what you kind of what you think on the fly. Like, oh, um, I mean, I don't like. I don't like. I'll try. You know, mm, it's a good one. Yeah, I, like, I just don't, do. Like, I'll yeah, try. There is, yeah, I'm not going to try to just try. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there is no try. There's only do. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. Oh no, this is what I don't like. Ooh, okay. it's not. Uh, are you about to ask me what do we need to put back in? Yeah. So here's here's what I don't like. Okay. Love ya. I don't. I don't <laughs> like love ya. Okay. We've we, we've removed the I, and Ooh. and I think I love you is so much more important and profound. And we're all a lot of people are saying love ya, and I I don't like it. I wow. think we're I think we're you know we're removing I, whether it's eye contact yeah. or the I. I'm still trying to figure out what that connection is but like we're removing our eyes you know and the I eyes, like that yeah the eyes are the window to the soul so yeah. you know when you say I love you it's more it's way more powerful yeah and too many people write love you and I, I it's know almost it's, throwaway it's almost throwaway and I know it's safe and I know it's 
it's dangerous to put yourself out there, especially with social media and stuff like that. We do want to protect ourselves more. And, and I think, like I said, since my mom died, for the first time in my life, I have something to protect. Like I don't like to let it be seen all the time. And I have something I need to put away. I'm still amazed by Joe Biden. Joe Biden's story, if you if you yeah. remember, like he had just gotten elected to, I want to say, the, the Senate and like was about to be uh, sworn in. And he lost his wife yeah. and his daughter and his yeah. two boys were physically injured in a car accident. Like, and he said after that, I would walk around dark neighborhoods drunk. I don't know if he said drunk, but he would definitely walk around dark neighborhoods looking for a fight. Yeah. Like, how do you get back up from that? Yeah, some things, yeah, I don't know either sometimes. And you just, you learn how to put yeah. it away. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't go away, you put it away. So, I understand people wanting to guard themselves, but love you annoys me. I like that. Uh, That's a great answer. I, I <laughs> never thought that. Now I think about it differently. Now that you said yeah. that. And then, what words like you think we should we should add into our vocabulary and say more? Um, I mean, yeah, the I. I knew you were going to go there. I was yes. like, I should have just said. <laughs> what word do we want to take out? Go back to that one. I mean, it's it's you know, it's kind of what I said yesterday or earlier yesterday. It's been here that long, uh, you know. Saying until today, you know, like what that. is it we're carrying that we don't need to carry? I carry so much stuff that I don't need to carry anymore. You know, I still carry Mireya Garcia in eighth grade writing in my eighth grade yearbook, Stay Sweet and Cute. Like that, yeah. that became my thing that I care. Oh, that's who I am. Mm-hmm. You know, unaware that mm-hmm. Irene Martinez wrote Puerto Ricans do it better. Let's do it next year. <laughs> like, you know, like I didn't pay attention right, to that no, no, because didn't. that didn't fit my narrative that I had told myself mm-hmm. that it's better to be a nice gentleman and then it's like you're just no I mean like yeah but that doesn't mean you're inauthentic when right. you are want to date somebody or whatever or when you're horny yes correct it's, like, it's, it's, it's okay I mean, it's okay you still be a horny gentleman we're totally horny like we right. can't deny it right it's, it's in our jeans it's in our I think jeans, it's literally. in everybody's. Yes. I think it's in women's too. They just they have a harder construct that they're working. I, on. I agree with that. That's a whole other show too by itself. But I agree with you yeah. on that one. I do agree with you on that one. Yeah. They have it. They have it too. If it you just, have a, if you have a show about gender construction, I want to be on that. <laughs> Trust me, I'm trying to rule the world, as you know. That's I'm trying to rule the world. I'm trying to get James Lott Junior. <laughs> the superorganizer dot com. <laughs> so tell the folks out there into that camera yeah. where they can actually find it because you have a show coming up with with Joe. We have a show this Joshua. Friday. Gosh. Yes. If you're in Los Angeles, come see us in Santa Monica. We're going to put on a great show. And that's, yeah, at the Miles Playhouse at 8 p.m. All of the information can be found can be found at my website, bochojo.com, P-O-C-H-O-J-O-E.com. If you know about Mexicans and Mexican-Americans, uh, Mexicans used to make fun of Mexican-Americans by saying, no eres mexicano, eres bocho. You're not really Mexican. You're more of an American mud. And Lalo Alcaraz, the one of the executive producers on Border Town and also the creator of La Cucaracha, the political oh, cartoon, yeah. he nicknamed me Pocho Joe. And so I take it as a we take it as a term of pride. We believe todos somos pochos. We are all pochos. Yes. You can't grow up in the United States Hello. without being influenced by so many cultures. Yeah. So if you grew up like me putting mayonnaise on your tortilla as a snack, you are a true pocho. <laughs> so that's where you can find me is pochojo.com. And all the information for the show – will be on my website in about 10 minutes. <laughs> yes. And of course, you follow us on Black, on Black Hollywood. I'm breaking into my Facebook page and my stuff. I, I put his stuff on there, so he'll be on there also. You can see more links to him. Thank you so much for being on my You're show. You're so awesome. I love you. Thank you. I love you, too. <laughs> I like that. And so next time, you'll see me again here on Black Hollywood Live. This is Breaking Into. I'm James Lott Jr., and we'll see you next time. From executives Kevin Undergaro, Dario Christie, Tiana Hobson, and the entire VHL staff, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live. Skip me, Instagram, at KingXOBay. Thanks for tuning in. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.